This afternoon we'll be continuing to look at the fall and depravity of man in our articles of faith. I want to read for you again what we state, read it as a whole concerning the fall and depravity of man. We believe that man was originally created finitely and I'm, uh, skip the, we believe excuse me we believe that man was originally created upright finitely perfect but by voluntary transgression he fell from his happy and holy state in consequence of which disobedience and threatened death was then and there afflicted, inflicted, excuse me. And he totally lost all spiritual life, becoming dead in trespasses and sins, and becoming subject to the power of the devil. The sin of Adam was imputed to him, to his entire race. And that the corrupt nature has been transmitted to all his posterity by ordinary generation. And hence, every descendant of Adam is by nature a child of wrath totally destitute of spiritual life at enmity with God wholly inclined to evil without strength, without hope, unless saved by Christ and made alive by the Holy Spirit. Today we're ready for the statement made that is holy, this is all of Adam's posterity, is wholly inclined to evil. What do we mean by they are wholly inclined to evil. It means they have no ability to do good. 
And some might say, well, just hold on a minute. There are a lot of people who are doing good in this world. And to that I would say, in the eye of man, which consider what man is. Man in his natural state is wholly destitute of all spiritual life. Totally destitute of all spiritual life. There is no spiritual life. There's no spark of goodness. There's no spark of life in him. Before God, he is the only inclination, his only inclination, is to evil. Even that which, which he does that we as men might consider good, God considers evil. Because it's not done by faith. which is not of faith is not of God and evil. The word holy means entirely in all the, the parts In all his parts, <laughs> he's entirely inclined to only evil. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. In chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 24, we read here a statement that God made concerning the house of Israel, concerning the house of Judah, which in fact is a true statement concerning every, all the posterity of Adam. Then his natural state. He is born a sinner. He is born with a sin nature. And he is a sinner. Verse 24 of Jeremiah chapter 7 says, But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the consuls and in the im imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. This is the condition 
of every man in his natural state as he is naturally born sin nature and is a sinner he is he does not incline his ear to the things of God he walks in the consuls and in the imagination of his own evil heart. Going backward, <laughs> away from God, and not going forward to God. Turn with me now to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis and chapter 6. In verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let's go back through that verse again. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination, so that we can better understand that, I've written down the meaning of the Hebrew words here used for translated imagination. It goes to his purpose. It goes to his framework. So that and that every purpose, all his framework of the thoughts of the of the devices and the plans of his art, that is, the, his inner part, we could simplify that by saying his, his inner most being is corrupt, his, all his purposes and plans and devices are only evil continually. The word continually means all day, 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 day after day. It also means year, <laughs> all the year long, every year, the condition. His innermost being is only disposed 
all his plans, all his purposes, all his devices are evil day after day, year after year. As long as he remains in that condition. He's evil. He's depraved. He's totally meaning there's no spark of goodness in him whatsoever. This is the word of God. This is not some doctrine that I came up with or that some other preacher came up with. This is the word of God. He continued on, and this is pre-flood era. And what he said concerning man that was walking in the pre-flood area. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> the Lord gave him faith, gave him righteousness, gave him holiness. And built the ark, but when Noah, when the flood waters came upon the earth, and Noah and his wife and his, his three sons and their wives were, were delivered from the condemnation that God poured out upon this earth. When the waters subsided and the land dried, and it was dry and, and it was fit for, for all animals and, and those eight souls that went into the ark to come forth from the ark. And they came forth and, and, and Noah offered that sacrifice up to God and, and it was God received it. It was a sweet smelling savor in his nostrils. But God said he would no longer would no not again destroy the earth with a flood of waters as he had done. And he made the statement, the same statement that he made here in verse 5, concerning man. And I want you to know, there was only eight souls that came forth from the ark when he said that. And they were eight souls that were righteous. They were eight souls that were saved. But he said, man... totally evil continually. A lot of men have a problem with that. There is the teaching been going around for years. Well, there's a spark of goodness in every man. That's not what the Word of God says. And the only that is in me today is, is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you, if it's not for Jesus Christ, there's no goodness in this fellow whatsoever. Turn with me to the book of Job now. The book of Job in chapter 15. passage of scripture that ought to really provoke our thoughts. Job chapter 
15, and we'll begin reading with verse 14. I'm going to read down through verse 16. What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman that he should be righteous. Behold, take notice, note, he, God, putteth no trust in his saints. Do you know what he's saying? He, God, put no trust in his saints. Those who are sanctified, who are set apart unto him, who are made holy. He puts no trust in them. Yea. Back up just. Consider that. Saints, men, men saved, men sacred, men that are set apart unto God. Did they get there by themselves? No. Can they keep themselves in that state? No. No more than they could save themselves. Can they keep themselves saved? God didn't, God didn't trust them to save themselves. Something they can't do. There's an inability to do. And God doesn't trust them to keep themselves saved. It's a work that he does. And only he does. Let's finish reading verse 15. Yea, heavens are not clean in his sight. What does that phrase mean? Yea, the heavens are not clean. Does that talking about the sun, moon, and the stars? which we look at, they're not clean in his sight? Now I guess men could make the case that, well, they were originally. God looked upon everything that he had made, and, and behold, it was very good. And Eve sinned, he cursed the ground. He cursed the earth. Doesn't say anything about him cursing heaven, so does it. But as part of as the stars and the moon and the sun are part of this universe that the earth is in. I had the thought of, as I was thinking about this, does that mean that before Adam and Eve sinned, there were no falling meteors? There were no shooting stars? You know where a shooting star is? It is a star that's burned out and it's, it's falling to somewhere. They say if they fall to, eventually fall to Earth somewhere. 
most definitely after after sin entered. We know to be a fact. We we see him sometimes in the sky now. Well, whether you take this in more realistic notes to be angels, as being the heavenly bodies, angels, holy angels of God, set apart for His work, for His service, or whether you take it to be just another word and phrase for saints, those who are heaven-born. We are heaven-born. That is, we're born from above. God has born us again, set us apart unto Himself, made us sacred. Whether you take it to be either one of the two, angels or heaven-born men, you have to understand that the comparison is to God. God is holy. God is essentially holy. What we mean by that statement, God is essentially holy, if God were not holy, He would not be God. He's, he's holy. He's perfectly holy. That is who He is. His angels are not so that way. That is not who they are. God makes them holy, the same as He makes us men holy, set apart unto Himself. But it is not essential to who the angels are. It is not essential to who you and I are. So God says they're not clean in His sight. Most definitely, man is not clean in his in his own in his own self in His sight. But as He is clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God, is He made holy. Verse 16. Notice this one. This gets down to the depravity of man. Even you and I that are saved. How much more abominable and filthy is man than his saints than the heavens. How much more abominable and filthy is man with drink iniquity like water? I mean, just as man thirsteth for water, God's Word says, that we drink down iniquity just like water. We thirst for it. And so we drink it down. 
another for thought is found in the 20th chapter. The 20th chapter of Job. In verse 12. Though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, The scriptures paints wickedness as being sweet in the mouth of man. Though he hide it under his tongue, in other words, he keeps it there, he, he savors it. Though he spare it and forsake it not, that is, Oh, he does not pity it nor forsake it. <laughs> he didn't pity wickedness. It's sweet to him. He loves it. But keep it still with his mouth. <laughs> you see, if he pitied it, if he's seeking to forsake it, he'd spew it out. <laughs> Get rid of it. Yet his meat in his bowels is turned the meat in his bowels, that which he eats in is turned to reproach. Is the gall of asp. It is the bitterness of, of the bite of a poisonous within him. It consumes him. What what if you're bitten by a poisonous snake, what happens? That poison spreads throughout your body. You got the picture now? Man is depraved with wickedness, evil. That which is against God. That which is contrary to God. That which is in opposition to God. It courses through his veins. It is who he is. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 19, and verse 28, Proverbs 19, 28, an ungodly witness, it's the ungodly witness, scorneth judgment. That is, he scoffs at justice and judgment. He scoffs at it. He makes light of it. Boy, it sounds like, sounds like our world today, doesn't it? Well, that's all men. 
the ungodly. And the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Look at that. Devoureth. I mean, as a lion devours its prey, so man devours iniquity. And notice the tense of the verb. He devours and continues to devour and continues to devour and continues to devour. That's who man is. Look at another picture that we have of natural man. The book of Isaiah. Chapter 1. And verse 6. Now this is a picture of what, what Israel was in the days, days of Isaiah. But it is a picture of, of every man born of Adam. It says in verse 6, he says, From the sole of the foot even unto the head, unto the top of the head. There is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. That is open sores that, that festered and stink. The rottenness. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. That's the word of God concerning every man born in his natural state, that is, with the sin nature, a sinner, and away from God. Turn with me to the 64th chapter. The 64th chapter. In verse 6. But we are all. What? But we are all. As an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses, that is good works. That which you and I perceive to be good works among us men are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We've gone in our own way. Everyone born of Adam, just as Adam did. They do just as their pappy Adam did. They go their own way. They go after their own heart's desires and lusts. 
which is evil continually. Back to the book of Jeremiah. Chapter 17. Yes, there's more that God says about man. It's about the heart of man. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. The heart. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Another translation could say, you could say, desperately diseased. He's diseased with, with sin. It's a incurable disease. That's what the word desperately wicked means. It means incurable. Who can know it? Now, let's back up. That is with man, it is incurable. There's nothing that you and I can do to cure this disease of sin, wickedness thereof. But God has the remedy. And that remedy was found in His Son. The perfect Lamb of God. The perfect Son of God. Holy God. Righteous God. Just God. Came and died for sinners. Like me. Like you. Rose again so that we might be forgiven our sins. But left in that natural state, there's no goodness in man. Oh, I think a, when a newborn baby born, and we all do it, we look at that baby and they say, oh, I think so precious, oh, they're so sweet, so lovable. God said, there is It's not long. Mom and Dad find out that just like they were. Some of us have to wait 18, 20 years to find out, oh my goodness, where did they come from? <laughs> well, they came from man. They were born with a sin nature. And it didn't take them long to manifest that they were a sinner. And unless God intervenes, they die in that state of being condemned and being a sinner. Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes.
chapter 9, verse 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. Okay, he's going to tell us an evil that is done under all things under the sun. That there is one event under all. What is that event? Also, the heart of the sons of men is full of evil. I think I said this last week. What's it mean to be full? What's it mean to be filled up? That means you're full. Glass of water sitting here. And it's to the top. It's full. Water from the bottom to the top. It's full. He said, Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness. <laughs> yeah. We go around at, acting like madmen sometimes. Hopefully, more so in our former condition, our lost estate, than in our saved state. But sometimes we got enough evil in us in our saved state and madness in our saved state is in their heart while they live. He says, while they live, while they live this life here on this earth, under the sun, their heart is full of evil and madness. And after that, after this life under the sun, their life being full of evil and madness, They go to the dead. That is, they go to the land of the dead. They don't go to the land of the living. That verse is stating to us that man in his natural condition, if he lives his life in that condition, and he dies in that condition, he goes to the land of the dead. Dead spiritually, separated eternally from God. Now I've said this before. <laughs> the obituaries today, everybody that dies, well, they've gone to a better place. Hell's not a better place. The lake of fire is not a better place. The of the dead is not a better place. 
at the land of the living. Well, that'll be glory. Be glory for those of us who go there to the land of the living. I want you to know that man, a man who dies in that condition, he's without excuse. Go with me back to the book of Ezekiel. Book of Ezekiel in the 18th chapter. And look with me at verse 19. We were there, well, I was going to say not too long ago, but I guess it's been longer ago than I thought, since we've gone clear through the rest of the 18th chapter and into the night and through the 19th chapter, and now we're in the 20th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. But notice what he says in verse 19 of the 18th chapter. Yet say ye, why doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon Him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon Him. That is, those who die in their wickedness, their wickedness is going to be upon them. In other words, they're humble to God. He's, he says, God says, that soul, that sinner, shall die. Every man is accountable to God for his own works, for his own sin. Now, go with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 1, and verse 20, showing you that man is without excuse. Romans 1 and verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Man, sinful man, the wicked, are without excuse. Why? Because as he says, they have creation to view the invisible things of him from the creation of the world. That is, of God, the invisible things of God. What are the invisible things of God? All his perfections. 
Do not, does not this earth give testimony to the perfections of God? Does not the sky above give, give testimony to the perfections of God? That furthermore, not only the perfections of God, not only the invisible things of God from creation, but it all manifests the Godhead. Creation declares the power and glory of God and that there is an eternal Godhead that all men are responsible towards. No, no man, woman, boy, or girl can excuse themselves for not being what God demands them. There's no excuse. God says. Wow. Romans chapter 3. Verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. All of Adam's posterity are born under the law, the law of God. It saith to them that are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. That is, without excuse, they're shut up. They have no excuses. They have no reply. And all of the world may become guilty before God. That was the purpose of the law. To show man his sinfulness. To show man his imperfection. To show man that he was corrupt, that he was vile, that he was wicked. To show man his throat was an open sepulcher. Picture this morning. Great picture in Saul. Saul was not seeking God. Saul was not righteous. He was going about to slay Jesus freaks. To slay Jesus followers. Until he met Jesus. Until he came face to face with Jesus. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, the works of the law, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. That was not the purpose of the law. 
purpose of the law was not to justify man. It was to show man his sin and condemn him as a lawbreaker before God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, and verse 23. But the Scripture, God's Word, hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. <laughs> you see, the law, the Word of God, the Scriptures, concludes that we're all under sin, Romans 3.19. That every mouth may be shut up and all the world become guilty before God. Only those who by faith, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith in the gospel, in the word of God, they see by faith their sinfulness and their wickedness as it is before God. They stand before Him hopeless and helpless, without strength, without hope. And they cry out to Him, I need Jesus. <laughs> Only Jesus can save me. From my sins. The next verse in Galatians 3 that tells us the purpose of the law was just a schoolmaster to point us to Christ, to show us to Christ, and show, showed our inability. Well, well, who can fulfill the law of God then? Jesus. Jesus did. Jesus did. And he died on the cross for your sins rose again the third day for your justification so you might be forgiven all your sins. That is every man born of Adam comes into the world totally depraved. A sinner. All are sinners before God. Well, I guess we have to stop.